You're listening to Breakaway Wealth, the show designed to help you build wealth faster, think bigger, and break out of the herd. Now, here's your host, Jim Oliver. Before we jump into today's show, we have some exciting news to share with you. Our brand new online community platform is now live. Get access to free on-demand, in-depth training courses on topics like infinite banking, cryptocurrency, real estate investing, and much more. Just go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com. Or check out the show notes of this episode to find the direct link to request to join the community. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver. And with me today, I've got a great guest with a great story, Mike Morawski. Mike, welcome, buddy. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. I've been uh, looking forward to this. Awesome. I'm I'm so glad that we're getting to spend some time together. I love people with experience because, you know, I know there's a lot of guys out there. Um, you know, I'm 57. I, I've got a lot of clients that are in their 30s. They're kicking it. They're rocking it. But you know what? Experience in, and you have a great uh, story and, and experience. And I, I, I love to talk to somebody with experience because you got to stand the test of time, too. Um, and so, um, Mike, you've got a great backstory. So tell everybody a little bit about you, your story and how you got to where we are today. You know, I, I got I have to say this first, because we were talking before we started recording about uh, uh, early on in your career, a big commission you made. And, and yeah. I joked, I said, hey, you know, which way to the Ferrari store, right? Yeah, yeah. And and, you, and now you're going to talk about, you know, these younger guys and, and women that are in their 20s and their 30s and they're making money and, you know, they're going to the Ferrari store, they're going to the Rolex counter, you know? And, yeah. you know, you and I have stood the test of time because yeah. we didn't get crazy like that, right? Right, We yeah. We did what was right. And um, that's, I, I think that that's kind of, you know, some of what I'll share here today, but I've been in the real estate business for 30 years. Uh, before that, I was in the general contracting business. I had a, a home remodeling company um, that started as a swimming pool company. And if you've ever had to, you know, you're in South Florida, a swimming pool company in Florida is great, but in the Midwest, what do you do nine months a year, you know? All right. Yeah. So, so I had to keep guys busy all year long. So I started doing kitchen and bath remodeling. Before I knew it, I was doing 25, 30 room additions a year. It was crazy. And um, But like any entrepreneur, I was still in the field uh, ordering material, marketing, selling, writing contracts, hiring people, firing people, doing the bookkeeping and still banging nails, wondering, oh, my God, I, I hate this. I remember vividly Jim waking up in bed one morning next to my wife going, I'm done. I can't do this anymore and sold the company. And I was fortunate enough to have somebody knocking on my door. They bought my company. I said, I'm going to take a year off. But like any good entrepreneur, I didn't take a year off. <laughs> I went and I, I house hacked long before it was sexy. I house hacked a couple of two flaps and um, you know, back then it wasn't heard of, but I lived in a unit, rehab the other one, moved down there, rehab the upstairs, and then we moved on. But Jim Rohn said years ago, success leaves clues. 
So if if Amen. we follow successful people, whether they make mistakes or not, uh, you're going to be successful. I found this real estate agent um, modeled everything that he did. I followed him. I yeah, He made me a cassette tape. I listened to that tape over and over again. I modeled his business. And my first nine months in the real estate business, I sold 78 houses. I was wow. Remax Rookie of the Year. I went on to build a team selling about 100, 125 um, listings every year and did that for about uh, 12 years consecutively. In 2005, and I always think that maybe I have a sixth sense, but in 2005, I saw the market starting to soften and I knew I would have to go do something else because my production wouldn't stay as, you know, as good as it was. Always wanted to be in the apartment business. You know, uh, I love the multifamily business because it's a business that you buy and you can turn it around. And I understood this. This is all I understood about it. You raise private capital from individuals. You marry it with a great real estate deal. You stay in the middle. And as long as everything goes well, everybody makes money. Well, I went out in 2005. I syndicated uh, which is just a fancy word for bringing partners together that put capital together and you buy apartments and everybody everybody participates in the returns. 2005, I syndicated my first apartment deal. Uh, over the next 30 months, I bought 4,000 apartments in five U.S. markets and built a property management company managing 7,500 units. Um, built a hundred million dollar company in that period of time. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you want to unpack any of that. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, here. I'm I'm a little bit uh, you know caught uh, uh, because I'm caught flat footed because that's amazing that you got those. How did you get those kinds of results in that short period of time? Well, I've never been average, and I always like to try and over succeed. Uh, not that I always do, but I, that's, that's the mentality that I have. Um, I, you know, I started, I put a little ad for $45 in the classified section of the newspaper. I'm dating myself, right? Cause I don't think you could do this today, but all it said was real estate investors wanted. And my phone rang off the hook for like the next seven days. And I wound up raising $700,000 over the next nine months from that $45 ad. And one investor led to another. I did seminars. I gave away um, a book, uh, brought people to a conference room, did the seminars, taught teaching the, the timeless principles of real estate investing, and then would tell people, oh, by the way, you could get involved as a passive investor and so I raised $18 million from doing that over a, a two, two year, 30 month period. <laughs> um, grew that, wow. grew that platform. Um, but the, you know, and I always tell people the first mistake that I ever made was that I grew way too fast. I might've grown that platform right. quickly, but it was way too fast. Um, I, I was very unstable as a company. 2008 rolled around and, you know, I'm sure most people know 2008, the world uh, worst economic crisis the world's ever seen. 
it was like hitting a brick wall at 200 miles an hour in a freight train. I started to unravel. And um, so I probably had 12 companies. I had 38 different companies at the time, over 100 employees working for me. Um, I had probably 12 of those companies that I should have let go to foreclosure, let a handful of investors get hurt. But I'm the hero, right? I'm the firstborn, oldest. I, I don't want to give anybody bad news. I don't want to say anything bad. Um, so I thought, let me try and save my company so that I can save all my investors. So I went to my accountant and my attorney crafted a plan that we could move money from one profitable company to non-profitable companies. Um, and uh, when the markets came back, I could put that money back. My accountant and my attorney said it was okay. Just leave a paper trail. And um, I did that. Uh, and, but the problem was that I didn't disclose it to my investors and, you know, in the real estate space, especially when we raise capital from individuals, we're held at a much higher standard. Transparency is very important. Well, I wasn't transparent with my investors and, and in my defense, I, I said, you know, Hey, this is a recession. This is going to last 17 or 18 months. The markets are going to have a 10 or 12% correction boom, we'll bounce back. Everything will, will, you know, come back to normal. But I, nobody ever thought it was going to be seven or eight years with a 40, 45% correction in the marketplace. And, you know, because of my non-disclosure and moving that money, I wound up being charged on wire fraud and mail fraud charges. and got sentenced to 10 years in federal prison for non-disclosure. Yeah. Um, so I, I went to federal prison in 2013 and I always tell people, I say, Hey, I never flew private. I didn't have a boat. I didn't have a big house. I didn't buy a fancy car. I was the neighborhood baseball coach. I was home every night for dinner and I got ripped from that to live in a 12 by 12 room with three men. I didn't know, nor did I like wondering what the hell happened in my life. Um, but Jim, you know, I, I and, and what I really want people to understand from this is you can't let your past define your future. And I think so many people in life are trapped by um, their past, right? There might be abuse, yep. there could be addiction, there could be loss, and people are trapped in that mental prison. Get out of it, you know? Um, I, I had a defining moment. I walk into gym one day and, you know, I'm, I was just window shopping. I wasn't looking to work out. I wasn't looking to do anything different. I'd gone from running marathons to being 35 pounds overweight. I hated myself wondering what happened and how am I going to get through today, much less 10 years. Well, this guy walks up to me into the gym that day and he goes, hey, look, he goes, don't let these people um, define your, your future. He said, they can take from you everything that you had, your business, your money, they can destroy your family, but what they can't take from you is who you are and what you're made of. You can go back and build another hundred million dollar company. You've got it inside. You got the desire. You have the knowledge. You have the skill set. He goes, just come to my class every day. Start working out. You'll start losing weight. You'll start feeling better. And boom! I don't know what happened. It was like somebody flipped the light switch. I started going to this class. I started working out. I started feeling better. I wound up going to college. I got a bachelor's degree in theology. I wrote two books while I was in prison. One is Exit Plan. You can see it behind me. 
And that's your complete guide to multifamily investing and why you need an exit plan before you buy. And I'd love to give a copy away at the end of the show for your listeners. Um, awesome. And, you know, that's about how to maximize your profit in, in real estate syndications, in multifamily apartments. Uh, I wrote a book on property management. I wrote an ethics course. How ironic, right? A, a federal inmate uh, writing an ethics course and teaching ethics in prison for six years. I also taught real estate investing and property management. I was on an outreach program, went into the community. I told my story 40 times to local business owners and college students. And Jim, I wound up partnering with a professor at the University of Minnesota. Uh, he and I uh, wrote a paper together that got published in the Business Journal of Ethics. Today gets taught at the collegiate level for forensic accounting and sales and marketing classes. Um, I came home in 2013 or 2020 when they closed the world down for the pandemic. Um, again, wondering what happened to my life, you know, and um, I, I went into coaching and training business. So I work with real estate investors, either teaching them how to do everything or partnering with them in real estate syndications. So uh, I got approved by the SEC back in uh, 2021 to go back and be an issuer of securities and a sponsor of deals again. So it's kind of funny how the, the redemption piece, you know, I had all this great success, lost everything, and, you know, we're rebuilding again today. You know, I love what you said about your past. There's always two quotes that I always uh, 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 think about. Uh, and um, and and when you think about your past, one is I've given up all hope of having a better past, and 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 the other one is uh, always make your future bigger than your past, right? And and that's Dan Sullivan, strategic coach out of Toronto, uh -huh. and who's a, a brilliant dude. Uh, but what I like about that is when I'm ninety, I'm still going to believe that that my future is bigger than my past. And, 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 and I always, uh, think that because, you know, adversity introduces us to ourselves and the adversity that you went through, right. You can make excuses. You can do, I mean, but you didn't do that by the way, you just took ownership of everything that happened. Right. And this, and, in, in in the, in the, in the amount of time that you shared that story and, and, I think to me, what it says to me, like the thing that I was thinking, as you said, that is, um, man, I want to make sure that I wouldn't make those mistakes. So you might think that, oh, hey, I want to I want to be coached by somebody that everything's gone perfect. Really? Do you really want to be coached by because what do you do when you get hit in the face? Right. And, yeah. and you know, you, you've coached outside and you've coached sports. You mentioned is you know, tell me somebody that can take, tell me what they're going to do when they get hit in the mouth. And I'll tell you whether I want to coach that kid or not, because if they're going to crawl up into the fetal position on the couch, I don't want anything to do with them. If they're going to get up yeah. bloody, not bloody, you know, I, I, I tell my friends, you know, like in, in life, when life knocks you down, just cause I'm bleeding doesn't mean I'm not winning. Right. I can bleed and win at the same time. So, um, or doesn't mean I'm losing this fight. Right. And so uh, yeah. I grew up in the, the streets of Los Angeles in the inner city. 
and I've been in a lot of street fights, and I can tell you who's bleeding is not necessarily who's losing, right? Right. Um, and and so um, I love a redemption story like that, Mike. And and you know the 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 thing about what you were talking about prison is I bet it made you appreciate freedom a lot more. Mm. Oh my goodness. It sure does. Hey, I, I have a couple of comments yeah. on what you just said, because I love what you said. You know, Mike Tyson says that everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's so true. You know, hey, I had a plan. I had a direction I was going in. If the market wouldn't have changed, which was the punch in the face, you know, or even if it would have just been a small 10 percent correction. Right. Yeah. It, you know, things would have been a lot different. But, you know, it's it's interesting how you take perspective, right? I got an email from somebody yesterday and, um, you know, and this was just yesterday. And, and she said, she goes, take me off your list. I'd never, I'd never trust you with my money. Mm. And, and I get that, right? There's a handful of people that believe that, but I believe that too. When I first came home from prison, I didn't think anybody would ever trust me again um, or see that my mistakes could benefit them because I made them already. Right. Right. Yeah. You're not partnering with somebody now who hasn't made mistakes and still has the opportunity to make them. I know what the pitfalls are. Right. And I know what to look out for today. And I didn't realize that until I, I was on a podcast one day. There was about 150 people on this lunch meetup deal. And I'm telling my story and somebody, and I don't even know who it was, but somebody says, you know, during question and answer, hey, are you raising capital again? And I said, no, I don't think I ever will. And they said, why? I'd never invest with anybody other than you or someone like you because you made the mistakes. And it was like that defining moment again, right? The the switch flipped. And and I was like, damn, maybe he's right. So, you know, we went and got a, I, my securities attorney went and got me approved by the SEC. And, you know, we're back sponsoring uh, you know, great business deals for people. Well, you know, you think about it, you know, the question I asked you, how did you have all that success in such a short period of time? It wasn't because you weren't doing anything, it's something the wrong way. But like you said, the non-disclosure part of it, I totally get. I understand that. I understand how important that is. But that's a mistake that a lot of people could make. Um, not, not uh, uh, what's the right word? Not not uh not on purpose make that mistake but that's that's a mistake that you make by oversight or you're growing too fast like you said so you know i think that's interesting because it's not like you said hey i scammed these people out of this money and i went to federal prison that's not what happened disclosure is and communication is important but when something happens to you that you don't understand it's hard to communicate that right what I mean by that right. is, like you said, if it was just a normal correction in 2008, you would know how to communicate that. But in, and, and again, I'm not trying to defend because uh, I don't really know all the details of what happened. But when something happens that's unexpected or a black swan event type of thing, who, who can explain it? So it's kind of hard to explain or you don't explain it at all and you're waiting to figure out how to explain it. So there's, there's so many things that happen to us in life that um, aren't expected. You said that you wrote uh, that you uh, got a theology degree, right? Yeah. I mean, everything that 
you know, I mean, do you think that the stories that we read in the Bible, people, they expected that to happen? Do you think David, you know, was it was uh, uh, in the field and he said, hey, I think I'm going to fight a giant and I'm going to figure out a way to 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 beat this giant. Right. I mean, God knew David was going to do that, but David didn't know he was going to do that. And uh, I always like this this the, the the jeremiah 6 where he talks about you're at the crossroads i'm going to give you a clear path but you're not going to take it this is my interpretation okay and i'm gonna i i always uh butcher uh bible verses but uh but I, but you're not going to take it right and and there's a lot of reasons why we don't take it but god gives us this clear path but when things are just going down the clear path and you're going 300 miles an hour you know I mean, that's not what life's supposed to be. Life's supposed to be challenges. It's supposed to be adversity. It's supposed to be difficulty. And we're supposed to learn from that so that we can be strong. Mm -hmm. Because if I feel so sorry for the people that are born billionaires, and and the way that I describe it, Mike, is they're born on the 26th. You were a marathon runner. They're born on the 26th mile of a marker of a marathon. I mean, they can roll the rest of the way, right? They can crawl the rest of the way. They can get somebody to probably lift them the rest of the way. I mean, how sad for them that no matter what they do in their lives, they're never going to know their 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 character. They're never going to know what it feels like to be hungry, what it feels like to be homeless, what it feels like to be like a lot of people go through. They don't know that challenge. So that adversity never molds them. And I believe that we are molded by our adversity and the people that we become is because of that adversity, not in spite of the adversity. It's, it's, it's because of the adversity. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the Bible is, uh, is an interesting book, Jim, 7,000 promises in the Bible that say, you know, God's not going to let you fail. He's not going to let you fall down. He's going to point you in the right direction. And then there's 3000 verses about, um, money and finance and business, business, right? About how to operate and run a business. And, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in that book. I think that every book that I've ever read, and I, uh, you know, I hated school when I was a kid, but I really love education. And somebody told me, and I was, you know, there's not a lot that I listened to when I was 18 or 19 years old, but when I was 18 or 19, somebody said to me, read an hour a day, and you'll differentiate yourself from the rest of the world. Well, I grew up very poor, grew up in foster care, and I wanted to differentiate myself. I didn't want to be that, that you know, cliche of, you know, the person that just stayed and wallowed in their misery. So he said, all you got to do is read every day and you'll differentiate yourself. So I think, you know, uh, I went to public school, so you got to keep things simple for me. And I started reading every day and all, every book that I read, uh, you know, uh, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People, The Richest Man in Babylon, all of those classic books, all of their teachings are rooted in the Bible. And yeah. as I've read the Bible, and I failed more times reading the Bible in a year than I've succeeded. I think I've only succeeded actually once. But, but, uh, but I go, wait a minute. That's the same message that was in um, think and grow rich, or that's the same message. Right. And and so I love that all of those books you can fi- and you can trace back to the Bible and those principles. 
I think it's so cool. And, and that's why you could read the Bible for a hundred lifetimes and, and still it resonates every single day that you read any verses in the Bible. Um, for anybody that hasn't read it, I recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Me too. Um, all right, let's get into a little bit of the real estate things, because what would you say, um, you know, one, you couldn't have had that growth and success without knowing how to put a deal together. So maybe talk about the, you know, what are the keys, like, you know, two or three pillars of putting a deal together. And, and then I want to talk about underwriting because so many people out there, Mike, there are people out there right now that want to be in real estate. They want to be in real estate. They might even know of a few people that have deals that they could go buy or somebody's going to sell a whole portfolio, right? Um, but they don't know how to evaluate it. So I want to get to that. But what are the pillars? And then let's talk about underwriting. Yeah, great question. So, you know, you said, what are the two or three pillars? And and I believe the first one is relationships. Yeah. Um, we have to have good, strong, solid relationships. You know, you're going to have, I always teach people, I say, hey, there's, you know, picture four circles and you're in that center circle all by yourself. You don't get a, a lot done, but, you know, those other circles represent, you know, that first circle outside of you represents those closest to you, the people that you'd hang out with on the weekend, have to your house on a barbecue, right? People you do life with. And uh, and then the next circle is people that are a little further away. I'm not going to have them in my house for a barbecue, but we're going to go to coffee or have dinner occasionally. And then everybody else you need, right? But you need them because you help them, right? Relationship goes both ways. Jim, if I can do more for you, and bring value to your audience, uh, help your business grow, bring some attention to what you're doing. It helps me grow, right? right? So it's about giving. But it, when I teach people about relationships, it's about um, building strategic relationships with brokers so that you get a good supply of the deals that are out there so you can underwrite them. It's about um, it's about good relationships with investors, right? Who are you going to partner with to go and do a real estate transaction? Um, so relationships are critical. And, and the final part to that is who do I meet along the way that I want to be partners with, that I want to do a deal with? You know, I'm in the coaching and training business and I coach people who want the business as bad as I do, because in a coaching relationship, we can figure out whether we like each other and want to go on and do business together. And, you know, I partner with my coaching clients uh, with the deep desire that if, if they have a deep desire like I have to do this business and be successful and to bless other people along the way, uh, those are the people I partner with. So relationships, I believe, is the first pillar. We all need to spend every day of our existence building relationships whether it's somebody you meet on the train at the airport in a grocery store, or you pick up the phone and cold call them. Right. Um, and the second thing, and, and I think this is the second foundational pillar is underwriting. It's the analyzation of deals. Jim, we're bringing a deal to the market next week. Um, 
that uh, I underwrote, my underwriter and I underwrote a billion dollars in assets between June of last year and January of 23. It was 90 deals. We wrote 10 letters of intent to buy property. Seven times we got to the best and final round. Three times the final final. And we lost those deals for price. Now, if I would have quit at 89, I wouldn't have this deal today that I'm bringing to the market. If I would have gave up at 80 and said, oh, there's nothing out there. But it's underwriting. It's making sure that you understand the fundamentals of the market that you're going into, the sub-market within that market, and that you understand the numbers, the financials. I love what you said before that you didn't like school, that you hated school. I hated math. I can remember being in math class, arguing with my teacher at the time in high school, going, I'll never use this stuff. And he'd say, Murawski, yes, you will. And I said, no way. And I never believed it, but I love math today, <laughs> right? Because the math never lies. Yeah. The money's in the numbers. The story's in the numbers. Yeah. Math tells such a story. So I have to take, you know, I, I look at my underwriting process like this. There's three ghosts. You ever watch the Christmas Carol? Yeah. There's the ghost yeah. of Christmas past the ghost of Christmas present and the ghost of Christmas future. And you have to look at all three of those ghosts when you're underwriting to see if it's a viable opportunity or not, if it's a good business to buy and can you make it a better business? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I'm, I'm writing that down. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, you know, and I think where, people get stuck. So like, I'm thinking somebody sitting there and they say, okay, look, I got a little bit of money or I don't have money, but I've got a lot of time. I've got desire. How do I get in the real estate business? And, um, you know, and how do I not make the mistakes that other people make along the way? And I think underwriting is such a huge part of it. And I mean, there are guys out there that are charging a lot of money to teach their underwriting system. And there are guys that, uh, and, and by the way, you know, if you find somebody that you like, spend the money because here's the easy thing to do. You know, I, I like that you, uh, you mentioned Jim Rohn. So, because uh, I used to listen to those cassettes, I, I don't, I'm probably at one time could recite most of the, I'm trying to think of the one that just like I wore out, you know, it was like, I learned all these techniques. I was in my twenties. I didn't know anything about money. Didn't know anything about, uh, you know, how to be in as a financial planner, you're in sales, right? You're going out and getting assets under management. People pay a fee to do that. But I learned that one, I found my market, right? So I had to do underwriting on my market. All my friends that, you know, uh, went to that grew up in, um, nice neighborhoods and went to good schools, they could go and talk to the doctors and the attorneys and the and accountants. And, and, but I talked like an inner city kid, you know, I didn't have good English. I didn't uh, enunciate words correctly. And so I went and talked to the blue collar people that were the welding shop, the plastics formation company, the, 
you know, all of that. Cause I had worked at a casket factory when, when I was in the summers, when I was 13 swinging a hammer, I knew those people, those were my people. And I didn't have to wear the fancy, uh, the right tie and the right shoes. And the, and I, you know, I, I was dumb. I did buy a Rolex, but you know what? Um, I gave it away uh, because I wanted to, I don't want those kinds of uh, possessions. But my point is, is that I underwrote my market. Like I figured out what is the right market for me. So as a real estate investor, as a business owner, that's what you are. You have to run that like a business. You have to think like a business. You got to run your family like a business. I mean, financially. Is I had to underwrite and figure out what my market was. But once I did, my success went like this. And, and it's the same thing that you're talking about. So I, I when somebody says, hey, um, our underwriting process is, you know, and, and it's kind of vague, then I kind of go, Okay, as that you know, like, like it, it kind of scares me when somebody says, "Here's what we do. We look because I'm with you. I like look at the numbers, right? I was gonna buy a car wash last year for eight and a half million dollars, right? Somebody would say, Jim, why would you buy a car wash for eight and a half million dollars? Well, there's a couple things. One, it was in the Costco parking lot. That's a big one. Number two is it was full service. I could make it into auto, right? So I don't have to get out of my car. I just go to it. And if I was, if you were in line at the gas station at Costco, you could go directly into this car wash. So all I had to do is make it to where you don't have to get out of the car. You don't have to get your groceries out of the car. Just pull through there, seven minutes, whatever it is, and you're on your way. It's worth $14 million then. Well, the guy that was selling it, his books didn't match his tax return. And uh, mm-hmm. it was a really easy deal to say, hey, sorry, I can't give you eight and a half million dollars for this because your tax return says it's worth about six million. Well, Jim, the real estate's worth six million. It may be, but I can't go to a bank now. Now I'm different. Now I got to go syndicate this, which means it's going to cost me more money, right? Uh, potentially. And, and, and we backed out of the deal. But I love that you can, like you said, the money's in the, in the numbers and the story's in the numbers. And it makes sense or it doesn't make sense if you know how to evaluate those numbers, right? Right, right. You know, we, we built a, a tool. We built a tool over 20 years that is, you know, institutional grade. I've had bankers go, who built this? Right. this is, you know, because it tells the story. It tells the story for 10 years. And I can see where the sweet spot is, where we maximize investor returns and where our investors do the best to, to get them out, to exit, right? Yep. That's what exit plans about. How do we maximize the profit? But we look at the current numbers, the income. What's it going to cost us to buy it? What's the current rent? What can we do with it? How much capital improvement do we need to put into it? Uh, what's, what's the rent going to be post-renovation? How, what's the financing look like? How do I structure the business deal so that my investors get X, right? It's all about my investors. When I put a deal together, it's a 70-30. My investors get the lion's portion, right? Right. So um, we structure that for the investor so that the investor is, is comfortable and profitable because it's about creating generational wealth for people. 
So, you know, what I love about that, too, is, you know, what most people don't realize or think about. And, you know, you talk about partnerships um, in your in, in the material, like on your website. And and and, you know, if you can go in and you can buy a piece of or a multifamily property, right. And, um, and then you have a renovation plan and you have the liquidity from investors for that plan. There are banks out there that'll loan you money on the post renovated renovation value, right? All you got to show is the liquidity. And so what, the people that are the investors in that are going to make a lot of money in that scenario. Right. And it's because it's, it's, it's a short cycle to do the renovations and have that valuation and be able to get the money out. And then if they retain ownership or however you structure it, but there's so many little things that are uh, the way that, what did you say? You said time tested uh, techniques, right. Or something like that. I don't remember exactly how you said it. And time tested, meaning, look, we've done this, you know, 50 times and we know the pitfall. We we can tell you this is a good deal and it will work out like this. And it just I, I love that because if I'm an investor or I'm somebody that wants to be coached on how to be get into this business. Uh, like you said, success leaves clues. Tony Robbins says, if you want something, find somebody who's already got it. And then do what they did, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but what I say to that is take the best, leave the rest. What I love about collaborating, Mike, is um, you might give me an idea to improve my process, but then when I improve my process and I share it back with you, then I just made both of us better. And if you never shared it with me, then we wouldn't have that. I share all of my mm-hmm. material with my competitors, because number one is there are plenty of people that need help. If only my competitors, by the way, that are trying to serve other people and trying to, one of my favorite books is The Go-Giver, right? And they're trying to give oh, back to people, right? And uh, um, so I'll give them everything. You want all my material? Here you go. You don't have to recreate it. Yeah. Here it is. If you're going to go serve other people, then great. So absolutely. All right, Mike, there's a lot of stuff we could probably talk for hours uh, on on this, but I think you've given some really good nuggets. How do people get a hold of you or how do they find your material? Um, We're going to put the link to the book in the show notes. Um, But how how would people contact you? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. So anywhere people hang out on social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, I'm there. Uh, Facebook, uh, Mike Morowski, and you can you can find me there. But on my YouTube channel, if you go to my YouTube channel and you subscribe there, you know, my podcasts and other uh, content that I put out every day, little nuggets, you know, and I love what you said, you know, those little nuggets help people grow, right? Um, mm-hmm. Go to my website at mycoreintentions.com forward slash free and you'll be able to download an ebook version of exit plan and um you know i would love to hear reviews from people after they uh you know listen to that i love networking jim people can reach out to me uh directly 
You can call me. You can email me at mike at mikemorowski.com. And if I can help in any way, answer questions, uh, don't hesitate to reach out for sure. Awesome. All right, Mike. So I ask everybody this question. So um, God came down from heaven and said you could only retain the knowledge from one book that you've read in your life, not the Bible. Um, what would that book be? Well, I'm glad you pre-qualified uh, that by saying not the Bible. Uh, the book would be uh, a book written by Gary Keller, which uh, is The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Uh, is a book I used to give away when I did seminars uh, years ago. And I love that book. And when you open that book, the first quote in the book that Keller says is financial wealth. The financial wealth is uh, living a life on the unearned income, on your unearned income. So, you know, when you think about that, what kind of life do you want to live passively on unearned income? Hey, maybe you do want to go to the Rolex counter or the Ferrari store, but maybe you want to build a well in Africa or you've got a heart for homelessness or human trafficking. You know, real estate is a business and a vehicle that will help you live that life that uh, live a life on an unearned income. And I suggest to everybody to read that book because the real estate investing principles in that book are timeless. So I love that. You know, and uh, one of the things that we teach is, you know, again, I'm in Southwest Florida. So okay. my neighbors, 80% of them, if you ask them, what do you do? They would say I'm retired. Mm. Well, there is one thing that is not in the Bible Mike, and I know you already know this, but retirement is not in the Bible, right? right? That's a man-made concept because I love what I do. When do I want to retire? I tell my team that my resignation will be in my obituary because, you know, I'm not retiring. And, um, and but I do do what I want to do when I want to do it because I've been blessed uh, to, to be able to do that. So if I want to go play tennis, I'll go play tennis. If I want to go golf, I'll golf. If I want to go to the beach, I'll go to the beach. I'm going to go on a boat, I'll go on the boat. So why would I ever retire? So I can be bored? So I can be not? Because the definition of retirement, by the way, is to be taken out of service. You retire a lawnmower, right? It, it's, it's, it's retired. It's, you take it out of service. I don't want to ever be taken out of service. I don't think you do either yeah, based right. on our brief conversation. And I would tell you that having the ability and the freedom to do what you want to do when you do it, want to do it, but money gives you choices. Choices give you freedom. All we want is to be free. And yeah, got if in my belief system, if you give back and you're building uh, wells and you're helping stop human trafficking, you're not going to worry about money. God's going to bless you with so much money. You're not going to know what to do with it. I, I mean, I have more money than I ever, ever thought I would ever have. And it's not important to me because you know, uh, people always misquote this. I guess we'll wrap it up with this is they say money is the root of all evil. That is not true. It says the love of money, right? Because if you love money more than you love God, then you're, then yeah, you, that, there's a lot of evil that's going to come from that. For but sure. if you love God first and let the money flow and do something with your money and bless other people and your time and, and your right. wisdom, things that God's blessed you with, then you're going to have freedom. You're going to have contentment. You're going to have happiness and joy. 
So I, I just two things real quick. One is I think I just heard you say, come to South Florida and we'll play golf. Absolutely. And, yeah. And the Absolutely. second thing is I, I, you're right. That, that is, it's the love of all money. Right. And you know, I grew up as a kid. My mom said the root, you know, money's the root of all evil, but she, she got it wrong. Right. Um, and that was the mentality I grew up with. So of course I was money hungry and wanted money and wanted to grow wealth and my life changed. And when my life changed today, it's not about money. First of all, it's helping you make money, right? Or helping my investor make money. But it's about, for me today, it's about partnering with the right people and doing the right deals. It's got nothing to, you know, money's a byproduct of, of that success. So, yeah. Yeah, that's back to the go-giver. If you focus, you know, Zig Ziglar, because we're gonna we like to go back, uh, uh, back to the the back to the day when we were uh, just learning this stuff. But Zig Ziglar, I had to hear this probably ten times, Mike, before it made any sense to me, and I don't probably think I was living it until my late thirties. But uh, he said, if you help other people get what they want, you'll get more than uh, you'll get what you want, and more than you ever expected. Right? Yeah. Just help other people get what they want. And Absolutely. in my 20s, I was like, how's that going to get me what I want? I had, I mean, I was clueless, right? But I learned, you know, <laughs> over time and a slow learner that uh, that's 100% true. And by the way, that's in the Bible too. So uh, with that, Mike, we're going to wrap this up. We wrap it up every episode with Earl Nightingale, The Strangest Secret and uh which is a classic recording so I, I can't help you or i can't thank you i'm sorry enough for coming on and sharing your story sharing your expertise sharing how people can get in touch with you and sharing your book with the audience i i truly am grateful that to spend this time with you you bet uh, so with that said earl take it away here's the key to success and the key to failure we become what we think about. Now let me say that again. We become what we think about. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you are looking to discover new wealth building strategies, then go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com to join our free online community and get access to free courses and in-depth training videos designed to help you build wealth and break away from the herd. Click the link in the show notes to access the community today. Thanks again for listening.